The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Welcome back to Afternoons with Mike here on the Shepherd Radio Network. It is great to have you along with us today here in the great state of Florida. On the line with me from Mississippi is Ed Vitagliano. He's the executive vice president of the AFA. That's the American Family Association. Ed, it is so nice to have you with us today. Mike, it's uh, great to be with you. Thank you for uh, having me on. Another Southerner, you're down South, and you know, although people who live where you live, they don't really consider Florida the South, do they? <laughs> well, I'm actually from the uh, Boston area, oh, and, uh, okay. but I married a Mississippi girl. We're located in Tupelo, our, our uh, flagship station, and the home of the ministry is in Tupelo, Mississippi. So I've lived in, in uh, the, the Deep South for, well, since uh, the 80s. My kids were born here, raised here. But Florida is further south than Mississippi, but a lot of people like to go there. So A lot of people like to go there, but because of our, uh, just the makeup, a lot of real true Southerners that live in the Southern states tend to kind of uh, discount the fact that we are a little bit geographically south of them, but that's okay. We're not going to hold that against any of them. It is so great to have you here. AFA's done a great work. Uh, I had a chance to talk to Abraham at the NRB, and that was a really great uh, opportunity for me as well. He's a great guy, isn't he? Oh, uh, Abraham Hamilton is uh, one of a kind. He, He is so unique, so gifted, uh, we were just blown away the first time he came. Uh, he was actually a friend uh, of uh, Will and Miki Addison, who have a radio show on our network. And uh, they were friends from down in New Orleans. And, and Abe was up visiting them, and uh, we asked him just to do devotion for our staff. And we knew, we knew he was a, a, a gifted and anointed person. He's a pastor. He pastors a church part-time as well as, as his duties here. He and his wife are teaching their, I think they have five children, teaching them Latin. Yeah, I mean, you talk yeah. about bringing, uh, bringing kids up um, in, in a way that is so distinctive from what's happening in the rest of the country. I think they're, they're trying to do it right and give their kids uh, uh, a, a classical education. So mm-hmm. he, he's one in a million. He really is, and such a great communicator as well. You would, uh, you know, you would expect an attorney to be a good communicator, uh, right. not, but uh, not every day you see an attorney be a great preacher, and that's exactly what right. he is. And he yep. lit it up at the NRB the night he spoke. It was just great, and it's not too bad to be the opener for both the governor of Florida as well as the uh, uh, Franklin Graham. I mean, that's not a bad uh, kind of a starting position there. No, no. And he, and he, he, when I say he's anointed, he, he, uh, the Lord uses him to grab people's attention and God uses him to speak right into the hearts and minds of the listeners. So I, I am not, I am not surprised that he was up at that level of, uh, of communicators. Yeah. He, he, he certainly is. And the body of Christ is blessed to have people like that, that can be the uh, kind of the pointy end of the spear, so to speak, because the culture is uh, unraveling. We need strong, committed, uncompromising voices, and um, and Abe is one of those. He certainly is, and uh, he's a real, I know, a real asset to your organization. Now, the AFA, for people who are not as familiar as maybe a lot of people would be about the American Family Association, you mentioned having a network. How many stations are a part now of the AFA? We have uh, 181 uh, stations that are part of the uh, American Family Radio Network. We have a uh, a film division that produces documentaries. We have a news division. Um, We have a monthly magazine. Um, We have uh, a a blog site. Everybody has blog sites now. So American Family Association, uh, the parent organization, has been around since 1977. It was started by uh, Reverend Donald Wildman, mm-hmm. another uh, minister who uh, saw that the culture was going off the rails 
and and tried to call the church to be uh, active. So we're big on uh, getting people active, calling their representatives, you know, local, state, federal, and getting involved, going to school boards, so on and so forth. Uh, our mission is to inform, equip, and activate individuals, uh, and uh, it's it's becoming uh, it's becoming obvious to so many people that the need is there for everyone to be in the battle line. So um, we're, we're we're thankful to God to give us the opportunity to stand with other ministries, uh, other talk show hosts like you uh, and others who are uh, calling people to the Lord. Well, we are definitely trying to get the word out about looking at life and judging everything that's going on and using the Bible, using the biblical worldview uh, aspect. That's exactly, I mean, if we look at life through the lens of the Bible, if we understand what would be even the basics, I believe, of what our founders did, they uh, we would have a bit different nation right now than what we have. But this swing that's uh, been to the left has been rather dramatic, right? It, it absolutely has. I mean, we're talking about um, uh, Harris polls and Gallup polls showing that uh, belief in God, um, um, kind of basic biblical uh, doctrines about heaven and hell and angels, they, uh, they're plunging. Um, we're, we've uh, seen uh, recently uh, in our news, we've reported on the fact that a uh, survey found that half of millennials think that misgendering a person should be a crime. I mean, using the wrong pronouns should be a crime. Isn't that something? And yeah, it's and and that's the product of. I guess you could say. I, I don't mean this to sound trite, but if parents and churches uh, don't disciple their children, there are people in the public school system. Uh, who will disciple them for them. That's exactly uh, right. Yeah, still a lot of wonderful schools. Uh, don't get me wrong. A lot of fine teachers in those schools. But by and large, education in this country is pulling children in a whole different direction. And I think that's why you get a survey result like that about millennials. Well, you know, when you think about that whole concept of gendering and misgendering, and it's this is something that our I know my my folks, I, I as a young man, we didn't have to deal with this question. It wasn't even uh, brought up, and it was crazy. Now there would be there would be those rare cases where you would wonder at times. I mean, there was a. Right. Uh, a fun, funny kind of a lot of people thought it was funny. I thought it was kind of sad skit on uh, television years ago about an individual that no one knew what their gender was. And it was that it was all set up for a laugh that right. that was then said as ridiculous kind of look at humor. Now we look at it and that's like you said, people are asking for uh, misgendering somebody, calling uh, somebody who prefers uh, their pronoun to be opposite of what their gender was at birth, to to be a, a law that is broken. That is just amazing yep. to me. Well, and and the thing is, from a Christian perspective, we should have compassion on people who are struggling with those kinds of issues. I would have to believe that a lot of that is connected to broken homes uh, and what they've been taught and what they've seen in media. So Christians should be compassionate, uh, but we have to hold the line because I think at its heart, what is happening in our country is the result of a protracted war against God. So this is right out of Romans 1, and I'm not even talking about the part of Romans 1 that uh, talks about homosexuality. I'm talking about the fact that Romans 1, Paul says and warns uh, against the kind of idolatries that reject God from his proper place, and then as a result of rejecting God, reject the nature that he has created, the signs within nature that demonstrate his glory. And here we find ourselves in a very scary place in America where people are so at war with God and his creation that they are denying the most basic realities, male and female. People saying that is socially constructed. So this is the result of a protracted war against God, and the insanity of it 
is just now starting to dawn on a lot of people, many of whom aren't even Christian. And they they look at what's happening and and they see the insanity of it. Um, But the people who are in power, and a lot of them are in power within corporations, we saw what happened to Anheuser-Busch. I haven't talked about beer so much since uh, before I became a Christian. <laughs> but uh, these people are in charge of many of our institutions, and many people are just now starting to wake up. Well, there's uh, hard not to be awakened when you look at news reports like what happened in L.A. just a couple of nights ago uh, with, yes. uh, with the Nordstrom uh, place being robbed and ransacked by a mob. It's like there is a sense of lawlessness like what I've never seen before in my lifetime that's taking over some of these states. You go all the way back to 2020, the George Floyd thing opened up all of that, which happened in Portland, Oregon, and you have these big regions that are almost like in chaos. And that's what happens when you, when you live without God, when, when there are uh, no restraints at all, and you start changing the rules about, I mean, you know, I've, I've used this analogy for years, Ed, imagine a volleyball game without any rules at all. And that's kind of what we're trying to do with life right now. We're trying to remove the, the barriers, the, the, the common sense things that our founders who put out uh, this, you know, who would post the Ten Commandments on the wall of the Supreme Court. Uh, they had an understanding of boundaries and uh, kind of like limitations that would be based on the Bible, would be based on a belief in God. But this culture today is removing all of those. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Mike. And, you know, it's interesting you mentioned the, uh, because I just, I looked this up just before coming on the show, because I wanted to make this uh, point. Uh, the, the Supreme Court ruling you're talking about is Stone v. Graham. It was in 1980. So that, that's why I looked it up to get the right name and the right year. But the thing I remember about that, and I remember being in Bible college and hearing about this, the ruling of the Supreme Court. Now, this, this would be very interesting to your listeners. I think the, the Supreme Court said if you post the Ten Commandments on the walls of your school, children will read them and they will be encouraged to to follow them. And I was struck by that. Now, the Supreme Court was saying that because it's religious, it has no place in schools. But the very idea that children would be influenced by reading the Ten Commandments so that they will follow them, now you look uh, 40-something years later, what do you find on the school, uh, the, the walls of the school? You find uh, gay pride yeah. uh, material. You see gay pride flags. You find transgender ideology, all these ideologies. And the reasoning of the Supreme Court is exactly right. Kids see these things. They think about these things and they follow the instruction that's inherent in these things. And we've gone from wanting them to obey the Ten Commandments, now being told that drag queen story hours are just fine. And it really shows how far we've fallen. But it's because the radical left understands the power, even if you're not a Christian, the power of the Ten Commandments uh, to influence behavior. And what we saw at Nordstrom's, uh, which you were just mentioning, what we see is the result of not being taught that it's wrong in God's eyes to steal. And, you know, it's just an opportunity. I mean, people, these people that were doing that were just acting like mad people. And you you would wonder, is there any fear? I mean, there was an incident in New York. I'm sure you saw it just a couple of weeks back, uh, if that, where there was some sort of giveaway that was happening and a huge throng of kids showed up and then a, a riot ensued just because they were there. And it's it's nuts what's going on today, and I think it is time that we have a that wake up call and realize that what you're saying is our kids need the word of God. We need to have an influence in our culture. I'm not trying to say we're trying to make America uh, an Old Testament, uh, a, you know, entity like Israel. There's that's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about living with an understanding where we we are being affected by and influenced by the same understanding of Scripture, the Judeo-Christian ethic that our founders 
walked after. And you were talking about reading the word. You know, I thought immediately of Jeremiah 15. I kind of memorized this years ago. It says, thy words were found and I ate them. Thy word became for me a joy and the rejoicing of my heart, for I have been called by thy name. And, and you know, that's exactly what happens when we have the word. It, you know, Jeremiah says that your word came to me and he took it in. He ate it. it that's the image, right. the metaphor, but he, it became part of him. And that's what we really need to see happen today with our young people. They need the word of God. They need someone telling them truth. And our government is not doing that, right? No, absolutely not. Now, some are starting to fight back. Um, we mentioned last week um, on on air that uh, Louisiana Governor John Bell Edwards signed a bill in that state to put the national motto, In God We Trust, in every public classroom in the state. And there are a number of states trying to do that. Uh, Mississippi's already done it. Florida, Arkansas, South Dakota, Tennessee, South Carolina, and Texas have passed similar legislation because people are waking up. Now, states that are being run by the radical left, like California, Oregon, Washington, New York, some of these others, Minnesota, yeah, terrible what's happening up there. These states are a long way away from doing what's even good for them. Uh, what, but what states that still have a biblical influence in them are recognizing is exactly what you're saying. People have to understand that there is a God and they're not it. And, um, you know, the, the fact of the matter is, if a nation uh, was to live according to the principles found in Scripture— even if there wasn't a single Christian in that nation, that nation would still prosper because the Bible describes the living of life uh, according to the one who created life. So if you follow the, the, uh, the manual, the owner's manual, and order your life the way the Bible teaches, you, your country will still prosper. Now, no one will go to heaven. Uh, that's obvious would obviously be a tragedy, but the fact is that when you have such lawlessness as we're seeing, that has a corrosive effect. And at some point, and this is why republics and democracies have failed in the past. Our founding fathers looked at the failures of the Roman Republic, the Greek city states, and they set up a government that would it be a the best case scenario for how to live according to these principles, but all of them failed eventually because uh, they disintegrated into lawlessness. And what happens? So you take the French Revolution. What happens is when lawlessness increases to that extent, the people turn to a dictator, and that's why a republic always winds up giving way to a dictator if the people do not cling to the founding principles of that republic, and we're living through it right now. You know, that's exactly right. In our, our uh, sad state of uh, history and the lack there of understanding that history, because it hasn't been taught in years, decades, right. I'm convinced. Right. My guest is Ed Vitagliano from the AFA. We'll be back in just a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike, and you're on The Shepherd. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, yes, and yes, visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 855-481-9095. Palm Beach Atlantic University Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. 
Back again here on Afternoons with Mike. My guest today is Ed Vitagliano from the American Family Association. You know, Ed, I was thinking about uh, this whole issue of uh, the republic and, and the difficulty and what our founders had in mind when they set this republic up and how that Ben Franklin was asked after the whole Constitutional Congress what had happened. And he said, well, what you have is a republic if you're able to keep it. And that is easier said than done, right? And the reason it's not easy to keep a republic is because the people have to stay diligent. Uh, I think it was Ronald Reagan who said that freedom, I'm paraphrasing here, uh, he he said something to the effect of freedom is one one generation away from being gone. Yeah, that's right. That's that's what we're living through is that uh, the individuals have to work hard to keep a republic. Your people have to be educated. I I am absolutely 100% in agreement with what you just said, Mike. When you don't teach kids about our republic, how our government works. I see these man-on-the-street interviews all the time where they ask college students, uh, how many branches, can you name the three branches of our government on the federal level? And they can't even do that. That's right. They have no idea how our system, what our system is, how it works, or how to keep it. And that is a prescription for losing it. Boy, that is a great word. That is a prescription for losing it. And Ed, as as painful as it is, I think all of us need to realize that we are on the verge, the brink. Some would say we've taken our culture to the cliff and we're ready to run over the cliff with our culture right now. And so I know that you recently had an article or something that was published from the AFA with this statement here that we're either going to return to a deep trust in the the God of the Bible or perish. Now that's quite a statement. I mean, it's like a, a very black and white, if you don't do this, then this is going to happen, right? Yeah. And, and the reason I said that is because uh, the, the Bible says it. Um, In Jeremiah 18, uh, God is speaking in general about how he interacts with the nations. And he says, uh, again, I'm paraphrasing, he he says, uh, if a nation that uh, has uh, done what is right in my eyes turns away and acts wickedly, I will change my mind about blessing it. The opposite is also true. If a nation is doing what is evil in God's eyes, and they turn away from their wicked ways and repent, God says, I will change my mind about uh, judging it. And so this is, it was in the context of God dealing with his own people, Israel, but this was a, a glimpse into the way God works with other nations. You know, America, I believe, is exceptional uh, simply because of the calling that God has put on this nation, but we aren't a covenant nation uh, in covenant with God like Israel. Israel is unique among all the nations of the earth. America can lose its calling. It's just like when God spoke and Jesus uh, sent the seven, spoke the seven letters to the seven churches in the book of Revelation. He told churches that he would remove the candlestick from them if they did not repent. How much worse can it get for a nation that acts as wickedly as our nation does when God looks to decide whether that nation will exist or perish? And absolutely what you said, Mike, is that our culture is racing up a cliff. But you know what? The United States of America, by and large, is corrupting nations around the world with this, uh, with the LGBTQ promotion and the promotion of uh, abortion, all these kinds of things. We are not a fountain of righteousness. In a lot of ways, what we used to do is being polluted, and we are using our military might and our wealth to force other nations to drink from that filthy stream. That's well said. And boy, we're seeing that happen uh, across the, the whole world. The world front right now is just like one mess after another, and it's difficult to see it. It's difficult to hear it. It certainly is difficult to understand 
what is the way out of all of this. But we go back, and I know that it, it, there's one powerful thing that has never lost its punch, and that is prayer, and the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man, according to James, it, it avails much. It brings about much impact. So believers right now, if they can't do anything else, which we know there are some things that we can do, but one thing that everyone should be doing is praying, right? Absolutely. It's a perfect call to the kind of action that we desperately need. Listen, a lot of people think that American Family Association is all about political action. We do encourage that. We're neck deep in it. But we have never had the misunderstanding that anyone can save America but God. And especially at this point, God is the only source of salvation for this nation. And we see this just exactly what you said, Mike. The call to intercession and the call to prayer is so powerful. And it is, and prayers before the throne of God, uttered in faith and in humility, do cause God to act. We see this over and over again. We see this, we see Abraham crying out, even for Sodom and Gomorrah, crying out and interceding on their behalf. Moses interceding on behalf of Israel, pleading with God, don't destroy this nation. We see the power of intercession all the way through the scriptures. So uh, prayer is absolutely critical. And folks, pray for our leaders. That's what the Bible calls us to do. Pray for your pastors. My goodness, we need, in that same chapter I mentioned, Romans chapter 1, Paul famously says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. We need to pray that our pulpits would be uh, a fire with the passion of a holy God preaching the gospel. And if, if, if we will pray and pastors will preach, we may see God unleash a power that will flip the table almost overnight. That's, that's my hope and prayer. And that, boy, that's what we need in this country. I think uh, what you said earlier could not be more true, that there is not going to be another single force, certainly not a political candidate, is going to be single-handedly able to turn this country around overnight. I mean, it's not going to happen. The only thing that is going to be possible is if God moves and we have a revival. And I'm convinced that those don't happen without that kind of prayer. The revivals just don't happen without people, God's people, calling out to him for such a move. And, you know, I lived through a move, and America was far from perfect before or after the move of God that happened in the, the 70s with the Jesus movement. But, you right. know, there is definitely impact and fruit still available today, still you can see it in the lives of churches and communities that were impacted from that revival back in the 70s and 80s. And may God move upon the hearts of his people again to pray for that kind of move. Because uh, this this kind of wickedness, it, it's it's kind of freaky to look and see what happens and realize, well, this could happen. This could soon be coming to a neighborhood near you with what you were seeing happen out in L.A. and some of these other cities. It's crazy. Well, and, and I absolutely agree. And the reason is because those who are pushing it out there intend for it to happen in every community around the country. And, and they are and they're getting traction. And I, I will say this. I, I, you, you can. My dad used to always say to me when I was growing up and still living under his roof, you can do things the hard way or you can do things the easy way. Mm -hmm. And the easy way is for, for Christians to get on their knees now and to begin to plead with God for this move that you're talking about that has happened in our past, famously has happened even in the before the formation of our nation in the 1700s. That's right. But we need to, we can pray now, or we can wait for the wicked to come pounding on our doors, hauling pastors off to prison, uh, and then then start praying. We could wait till then, but that is the hard way. And I think we need to uh, avail ourselves of the liberty we have right now before the devil tries to force the church underground. We don't want to live do it, do it that way if we have the liberty to do it the easy way, and that's to, to pray and intercede now. D. 
Do you feel that the church, and by the church I mean just generally speaking Christians in this country, do you feel like there's been a sense that they're just kind of asleep to this issue and not aware? And and if so, how did that happen from your standpoint? I think uh, I, I think it's, you know, a lot of people will say that it's because we're living the good life, and I and I honestly think as simple as that sounds, I, I think that's the truth. Uh, because again, because this is what we see biblically speaking in the Old Testament, because human beings don't change. Whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, we all act the same. Um, and so I think what has happened is following uh, the victory in World War II and the 50s and into the 60s, we started to prosper as a nation, Mm -hmm. and forces crept in in terms of the sexual revolution, and many people were just too busy. And I think that's followed decade after decade, where it's even hard to get people sometimes to come to church. They're, They're so involved with living the good life that now we see God putting the pressure on the country, and that, since we all live on the same land and on the same block, saved and unsaved, when God puts pressure on a nation, that pressure falls on the church as well, and now we see God touching the economic prosperity that has perhaps become an idol to uh, far too many people, and as he touches it, he puts pressure on people, and we see people now waking up you know, COVID. And, you know, we, I'm sure we could talk for hours about what happened, why it happened. But during COVID, during those lockdowns, parents for the first time, perhaps ever, saw what their kids were being taught. That has led to parents showing up at school board meetings. And so I look at COVID and I say, uh, did, did the Chinese release it on purpose? Was it accidentally released from a, a bio lab? I can't answer that question right now. Maybe history will find the answer. I do know, though, that if God is in charge of everything, this was intended to be a wake-up call, and some people are starting to wake up. And I, I don't think it's too late. I think, I think Christians, if they will intercede and pray like you're suggesting, Mike, I think we could see God begin to move. But if we could care less— we get what we kind of get what we deserve, and uh, it's sad to, to say, but we could be watching the unraveling of the republic, and what comes after a republic is not pleasant. No, it's not, and I think that at that point, just about every person who had been asleep at the wheel would be very sorry, and not only would they be awakened, but they might be awakened, and now in a profound sense of being uncomfortable because the freedoms and the liberties could be taken away. And that's something that I'm pressing for and just continuing to believe and calling out to God for, for my own children and grandchildren. Uh, I've got uh, 10 grandkids that I I would love for them to grow up and enjoy uh, the freedoms and, you know, hopefully to serve the Lord the way we've been able to do it. But, you know, you were talking, I think, so correctly about this thing about being comfortable. And, you know, Ed, I found in my life that the test of prosperity is a harder test than the test of poverty or the test of difficulty. But it's it's that thing that happens inside of the human mind when things are going great. We just kick back, don't we? We just... No, absolutely. No, listen, that's why I said it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. Listen, we've all had, we've all had times, unless, and, and I don't guess this is probably true about you, Mike. It certainly wasn't true about me. Most of your listeners, I'm sure, have had many struggles financially. So unless you grew up in a wealthy household where money was easily and 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 you know available and flowed like milk and honey the vast majority of us have had times when the hot summer the air conditioner goes out you cry out to god for help you get it fixed you come home to a cool house and then you just relax yeah it is human nature to say ah my problem's gone i don't need to cry out to god anymore and uh I, I absolutely agree, Mike. The the test of prosperity reveals the true nature of human beings, and uh, it's it's not a pretty sight. And and God understands that, 
God is compassionate. That's why in the, even in the Old Testament, he was constantly saying, even now, if you will turn back to me, I will heal you. I mm. will prosper you. And I think we're at that moment in church history in this country that's the call, and we've got to respond. I know you've got to go in a couple of minutes, but give us, if you will, a, a couple of one or two action points that every believer right now that they can join in on this fight for our freedoms and liberties. Well, I'm going to mention a, some of the things that you've talked about. Pray for your leaders. Absolutely pray. Uh, but because our main problem is not a political one. It is a spiritual one. I would uh, invite people to pray for their pastors. Share the gospel as often as you can. That's a hard thing for a lot of people to do. But on a practical side, I would get involved. And that's why we always encourage people to uh, to uh, come to afa.net and to sign up for our action alerts. People, If people get involved, we can at least slow the decay. It, can't, it won't heal. It won't heal our nation because our nation, like right out of Isaiah 1, is sick from head to toe. It won't heal it. But, um, f- for example, this movie that was released, Sound of Freedom, mm-hmm. um, with Jim Caviezel, woke a lot of people up to the, the, the absolute tragedy of ch- uh, child trafficking. And people are starting to say, you know what? I want to do something. So, Get involved where God leads you to get involved. If you have kids in school, show up at school board meetings. Talk to the teachers. You don't have to be ugly. I always tell people you to be a to be. You don't have to be a jerk to be a Christian. You can be a nice person, but you got to be firm. So uh, be a blessing. If your kids are in a public school, be a blessing there. Help out, but watch what's happening to your kids because there are a lot of pernicious operators who are gaining access to children and are basically teaching them to ignore what Scripture says. Your parents are bigots. Your pastors are bigots. You've got to pay attention to what's happening to your children um, and then make sure that Jesus Christ is the center of your family life, because if he's not the center of your life, he's not going to be at the center of our nation. Well said. Ed Vitagliano, thank you for being with us today. Ed is, again, the executive uh, vice president of the American Family Association. Give us that website, if you will, Ed. Absolutely. Uh, AFA.net. AFA.net. That stands for American Family Association. AFA.net. Lots of drop-down menus, podcasts, and uh, uh, video content, action alerts, magazines. All that kind of stuff is available there. AFA.net. Let's check back in sometime in the near future, my friend, okay? Absolutely, Mike. Be happy to do it. All right. God bless, and we'll be back in just a moment. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years' experience, EC Waters is a top-trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, Call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. Attorney Barbara Perez is my guest today. Her book, Through God's Eyes, Eight Truths to Help You Rise from Victimhood to Victory. You get very transparent in the book. You talk about some of the things you've gone through. Uh, Everyone who comes in, I mean, in one sense of the word, would you agree with this? In one sense of the word, we're all victims of something. Everyone I agree is. with that. I agree with that. I think we have all been victims of something, whether it, um, it is abuse, any type of abuse, um, racism, all that is, yeah. you know, we can, we can certainly, if we look, we yeah. can fo- probably find something. You know, when I was a young guy, I, I felt a victim. I, I, I was told all my life I was going to be 6'3", and I'm <laughs> from Indiana, and I'm a basketball lover, and I hit five nine, and that was it. That was it. That was it. And I thought, I'm a victim. <laughs> <laughs> then one of my friends told me, well, the reason you're this way is because the Bible says the wicked will be cut off short. <laughs> and, and so that, that explained that right there. Okay, that's it. It's my own wicked heart. No, seriously, though, every one of us have something that's happened to us in our life. Now, I'm not trying to diminish mm-hmm. big things that mm-hmm. people have dealt with at all. 
But the truth of it is we live in a, a society right now that almost coddles the idea of being a victimhood. And I think one of the fruits from that is entitlement. That's right. That people can take the fact that they've gone through difficult times and therefore they can feel I'm deserving of something because of that. And that was never your mindset or not, never your response, let's say, to all the things that had gone on in you. I think you worked hard in spite of that. I think um, one of the reasons why it's because I came to know the Lord very early on. I was a teenager when I, when I, when I met the Lord. And it's interesting, though, because my relationship with the Lord was difficult in the very beginning, especially because uh, we were always told that God is our father. I knew this was coming. You yeah. know, and so yeah. it's like, well, my, you know, the men that I had in my life that were father figures were not the best. They let you down. Very much. And so comparing, you know, God to a father was very hard. And so the early years of, of my, of my yeah. uh, Christian walk, was not easy in that sense. I could see God as somebody in heaven and just sit, but as a father, that was difficult. Mm -hmm. um, but I think through my Christian walk, um, I learned that, yes, I had been a victim. Um, bad things were done to me. And I, I still had to struggle. You know, I could have said that, you know, the fact that I didn't live with my parents, as a teenager, right? I had to put myself through college. Um, I didn't have anybody to financially support me. The fact that I was still dealing with uh, traumas and hurts from the, the abuse, um, all that stuff, I could have used that. Um, yeah, just as, an, an excuse. That's right, as an excuse, yeah. as an excuse. You mm -hmm. know, English is not my, my first language, um, all that stuff. But, but I think through my Christian walk, I realized that that's not the kind of life that God wanted. And he had something for me and he had a future. Um, and it wasn't easy again. And, and I go back to what we said about the American dream. Christian life, nor the American dream is easy. What it is, is you, you can have it. You have the opportunity. You can walk with the Lord. You know, you have all these opportunities, but it is your choice. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people stay stuck. In the, okay, give it to me, hand it to me. It's not easy. So that means I'm yeah. a perpetual victim. And so um, my thought was always, okay, Lord, I'm going to do it with you. And it's going to take me a long time, but this is the yeah. call. This is what I'm going to do. Don't you find it true that so many people, when they're on that pendulum swing toward victimhood, there's that tendency to let the pendulum swing all the way too far to the other side. And that's the part that would make them feel like, okay, this has happened, so I'm entitled to this to happen. And they don't realize that in the middle, there's the balance where God wants us all, where we're supposed to be living. It's not, it's not in these extremes. It's right, it's right with God. Exactly. Yeah, I exactly. think, I think, and that's not a middle of the road. I'm not using that as a, as a uh, kind of a, a metaphor here, but God wants us. There is a way that seems right uh, to man, and it's often not the way that is right for God. That's right. And he has that plan. One more thing I had to ask you about the title itself. You had alluded earlier uh, that you were able to look uh, through the eyes of this person that you were talking to. And I, I got the idea that the experience or the imagery of getting close to God, giving you the ability to, to imagine what it's like seeing through his eyes is that is that how did that happen and tell us about how you chose that phrase for your book title so if we look at ourselves through our own physical eyes right we see what's happened so i saw a, a girl a little girl who suffered abuse who was told you know she was good for nothing somebody that didn't have the support of their family um somebody that, that came to a whole different country, whole new different mm -hmm. language. Um, and so that's what I saw, right, through my eyes. And I think a lot of the times that's where we stay stuck, just seeing our, our raw reality. Mm -hmm. And it's fine to look at our raw reality because 
that's how we can say, okay, these are my disadvantages. These are my struggles. Okay, Lord, here they are. Now what are we going to do? But I think when you start seeing yourself how God sees you, um, you start seeing yourself in a different light because then it's like, okay, I, I went through that, but through Jesus, I can become this or this is his purpose. You know, his purpose is going to be carried out. But I think that happens when you start seeing yourself, when you start believing the promises that he has mm-hmm. for us, when you start believing his word, when you start relying on him, I think that's when you transition from, okay, this is who I am. This is where I'm stuck to, okay, that's where I was. That's what happened. But through him, I can now see myself in a different light. Now, I like what you just said, that, that rung in my heart. This is what's stuck. This is where I'm stuck. Mm-hmm. Where do you see the people that are your clients? If you were to kind of just make a, a generalization of people who are potential clients that you could serve, where do you see them as being stuck? Well, if you think about somebody that came in uh, to the United States, uh, maybe illegally, and now they're here and now they have a job, now they have a family. And so you find yourself in a situation where, and, and, th- and think about if you're a Christian, right? So I made a mistake. I broke the law, right? I, I did That's something. what they're saying. Yeah, mm-hmm. I made a mistake. Right. I'm here I illegally. I could be deported. Right. I, 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 I know that I, I, I know that I don't deserve because I did it the wrong way. But mm-hmm. now, Lord, I'm here. Now yeah. my family's here. Now I'm serving you here. Now what? And so I think that's where, that's where again, immigration, and like I said before, is conflicting sometimes because you have that, but then you have mercy, right? And so, um, but a lot of people, that's where they're stuck in, in the fact that, okay, I did something wrong, but now I want to do things right. Now what? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you feel that those people uh, who realize they're stuck, that realize they made mistakes, realize that I'm uh, shouldn't have been here the way I'm here now what to do and that's the kind of help that you bring them so when you have a person that comes to you and they've come to all of what we've just said what's your first step in talking to them so my job is to try to figure out if they qualify for an immigration benefit mm-hmm. there's many avenues in which a person can qualify for immigration benefit for example if you have family, immediate family that are U.S. citizens or legal permanent residents, they can maybe petition for you. Now, um, a benefit, is that something like money that is paid to them from the government? No, that okay. is Explain that you that. can apply. So let's say I'm a U.S. citizen and my mother lives in another country, right? As a U.S. citizen, I can petition and petition for my mother. And so she... Because she is my mother and I'm a U.S. citizen, she qualifies to Aha. apply for a green card. So she has, yeah, she has the openness, mm-hmm. and again, using your word early on, opportunity. That's right to come in. That's the benefit we're. That's talking right. About. That's the benefit we're talking about. Um, and so that's what I'm looking for. I'm trying to help people see. Okay, you're here. Let's see if you qualify. If there's any door that you can walk through that can get your status fixed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's through family. There's also through humanitarian uh, visas, for example, people that have been victims of human trafficking here in the United States, people that have been victims of uh, crime here in the United States. Asylum is also an, uh, uh, a humanitarian visa, and that is for people who have fled their countries because they were persecuted because of the race, religion, nationality, political opinion, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so my job is to sit down and say, okay, let's go through your life. Let's see if there's anything that you may qualify for to obtain an immigration um, benefit. Mm-hmm. Of your Very interesting. Mm-hmm. So people who are in that category, people who are uh, maybe in the immigration process, or maybe they haven't yet legally entered into the process, you're available to talk with them and they can come into the offices, the law offices of Barbara Perez. Uh, do you have a website that you can give us? I do have a website. Uh, it is www.barbaraperezlaw.com. All right, www.barbara, 
Perez Law, and that's Barbara, B-A-R-B-A-R-A. Some, sometimes that's spelled differently. Perez, P-E-R-E-Z dot com. So that's very helpful, and I, I'm just sure that people who are in that need, how wonderful it is to have a listening ear the way I know you must be for them. That's got to be comforting, right? It is, it is. And unfortunately, in my field, I have noticed that there's people that take advantage, um, even attorneys or even other people that are not licensed to practice law. Um, they take advantage of the fears um, of people. And so many times clients will come to my office saying, I've already paid thousands and thousands of dollars to another person. And when we sit down and look at what was done, it, was, it wasn't done right mm -hmm. or something fabricated. Mm -hmm. or the people have no idea what they've gotten themselves into. And so one of the reasons, again, what, why I wanted to become a lawyer is because I know the Lord. And because I know the Lord, I want to do things right for my clients. And so I'm honest uh, with them. And if they don't qualify for anything, even though it's bad news for them, mm -hmm. it is my job to tell them. And yeah. so that's... You know, it, again, in, in my field, I see a lot of, a lot of um, abuse in that sense. Yeah, I'm sure you do. And as an attorney, I know that you studied the law, the law of America. And I know that there are a lot of attorneys. I'm sure you at times wonder as well, what has happened to the rule of law in our country? Because it seems that those very laws that you studied at FAMU uh, are sometimes being broken by the highest levels of government. It's nuts. What's not being adhered to, what, what is being broken, uh, that's already a law in place. Isn't that right? It, it, that's right. And, you know, one of the differences, and I mentioned this before, how a lot of people leave our countries because of lack of law enforcement, yeah. because of lack of rule of law. And so it's disappointing sometimes when now this is happening here, where, where it was the place where yeah. that, that was. Um, yeah, people leave places like Venezuela hoping for a right, and they get here, and I've had people say, you know, this is just like what happened there. <laughs> exactly. And God have mercy on us, and we call out for that, and we believe God for it. Uh, your book is Through God's Eyes, Barbara Perez, and that, that website one more time, Barbara www.barbaraperezlaw.com. BarbaraPerezLaw.com. Thank you for being with me today and say hello to Felix for me. Thank you so much for having me, Mike. Oh, this is great. And we, friends, thank you as well for being with us on another edition. We'll see you next time right here on Afternoons with Mike.